0: everybody and welcome to this very special panel and it's also part of my YouTube channel and the Social Wave Project podcast but we're going to be doing a very special panel today because we um, I, I know we haven't really done this for a long time but we're going to be doing a three-part series on the topic of puberty in an autistic perspective so in this first part we've got these really lovely people we have a Connor Connor Ward, we have a Finn Maguire, we have a Dana Anderson, we have a Robin, and we have a Michael. Hi, guys. Oh, sorry, you could turn all your microphones off for a minute. That
1: wasn't the (laughs) instruction. The instruction was keep your microphones off the entire time. Oh, no, no, that was doing like
0: like the statement to it. Sorry, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I should have made it a bit clear. I did, like, uh, do something um, to explain earlier before recording, but uh, silly meat. Forgot my brain. (laughs) so we got all this wonderful guests joining us today and I know that puberty is a little bit of a sensitive or a taboo subject but these guys have been so amazing to come on forward and to actually start talking about it and some of you actually jumped on that the last minute as well so that is really fantastic to see each and every one of you but I know that I won't go too big on what to say because
2: we got to introduce you lovely lot so um, yeah my my name uh, changed to robin um i go by they them pronouns which um it's still getting used to I enjoy a lot of films and and things and yeah i'm currently non-binary uh transmasculine i'm going through transition in september with hormones um
3: so yeah so uh, my name is finn i'm 18 years old i make videos on youtube uh all about autism and just a lot of my experiences about it um, I've, I've talked at the autism show before and going forward I'm hopefully doing uh, a few more talks in the future so that's just kind of what I do. Hi uh, my name is Connor Ward
1: I am an autistic speaker uh, neurodiversity consultant and trainer ex-social media slash current slash I need to get on with it. Um, I basically just work in whatever field I can to try and improve the lives for fellow autistic people. I do a lot of challenging of the existing Uh, structures that exist in our society because they aren't built very inclusively. Um, I've had the privilege of working with people like the National Autistics Society all the way to Strictly Come Dancing, so quite a random span. Um, Yeah.
0: Um, And don't forget about Disney. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because I know Disney's your big thing with the relaxed performances as well, so so I I was kind of a bit shocked, like, don't forget about Disney!
1: (laughs) Strictly Come Dancing was a relaxed performance, so... Yeah. 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 Oh,
0: that's true. That's true. Especially with the um, Strictly Come Dancing coming
4: up as well. Hi, I'm Dana. I've spent the last year or so making YouTube videos about being autistic and being late diagnosed, especially in women with autism and all of that stuff. I'm not quite as fancy as the other people here that talk about it all, but I have recently done a level two in understanding autism. So I feel like I've got some degree of a credential under my belt for it.
0: Oh, that's good. Good for you, Dana. That's fantastic. I'm
5: Michael, um, I'm 18. And I'm autistic. My type of awesome is Asperger's syndrome. I am a um, singer-songwriter, so I do a lot of my own original songs and songs. And I'm also a YouTuber, and I so. Also... Uh, do an interview series I'm somewhere, interview people, including artistic people. Today,
0: um, I know that um, you guys are the very first part of the series, so we're, we're going to try and keep it relaxed as much as we can, but this panel is designed to have the idea of um, just opening up about puberty, just to explain um what um uh, like um experiences how do you feel about puberty with itself what experiences you went through and how um the topic puberty can be more inclusive in mainstream and specialist schools as well during a panel for those who haven't really watched before the panel is going to be something like an open conversation and to run the panel, I'm going to open each conversation with a statement. So a statement is not like a question, but it's just like an open uh, conversation. And what I do is that when I actually uh, say a statement, um, everyone can go one at a time just to talk about their experiences. And I know I've done this differently within panels before, but I'm going to try and make it relaxed as much as I can. And yeah, I think without further ado, we'll get into it. So the very first statement is when I started puberty I felt embarrassed about the changes which are happening inside my body Uh, inside my body yeah I think we're gonna go with that because I think I had a bit of hiccups
1: I don't think for me it was particularly embarrassed because I think well embarrassment is a very intense emotion it it, it wasn't embarrassment it was uh the lack it was uninformed is what it was um because I, I was one of the people that, like, I wasn't diagnosed autistic at that age. I, I had no extra support in that area. i just got all the innuendos and such that you get in school about, oh yeah, you know, this stuff is going to happen. It might be like this. Um, which meant that when I approached puberty, you know, there were things that, that did confuse me because I didn't fully understand them. Um, so yeah, confusion was more, more empowering for me than embarrassment. Because embarrassment is very much how it felt for other people but i was too concerned with my own confusion
4: i think maybe it's slightly different between like men and women because for me it's like being a girl and starting periods and all that stuff it was crippling embarrassment all the time and the constant fear that like embarrassment was on its way and something was gonna go wrong i was i was definitely like constantly embarrassed about everything through puberty
5: i think for me um uh well, in school, um, but I that. yeah, I think obviously he's dealt yeah, about it well, like PTSD and blah 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 blah. But I think for me, as a time with it, and obviously as a singer, obviously sort of effect affects being a singer as well, because I'm autistic, so obviously sometimes it's like, what does that mean? But also as a singer, um. It obviously like changed my voice, and so I mean, like you know, I can still do like a very sometimes high range voice, but obviously, I went from like you know, like being very, very able to do a high to be to being to do like a very a certain type of high like pitch in my singing. So, in that sense, it was like oh god, but you know, I just I just live with it and just deal with it.
0: I had emotional support or support to help me before and after I started puberty.
1: I think in terms of the kind of support that's offered during that time, or I think it's probably unanimous that there isn't enough given towards autistic people in that that time. Um, We do specific work to looking at transition periods for autistic people, whether that's moving from school into university, moving out, retiring, etc. There's many different transition periods throughout that, um, throughout our lives. And um, the transition periods for autistic people are normally the highest, uh, highest points of stress and anxiety. And puberty is one of them. Puberty is one of the largest ones. And it's one of the ones that happens simultaneously to many of the other transition points. Um, so any kind of transitional support wasn't there. Um, would have been nice, but yeah, uh, just, kind of explaining, this is how things have been. This is how things will be after. Um, we can't give you exact timelines as to when, but um, there's an expectation at least. So you've got some sort of uh, idea as to what could potentially happen. So what's your answer? What's your answer? Oh,
0: my answer? Okay. <laughs> Didn't expect actually to go in there. Okay. Um, I need to retrace my steps because I think, um, with with like the emotional support or support emotional support I really cannot remember because um being in your late 20s it's really hard to remember but I did get um support at school and I was in a mainstream school but it's um a girl's Catholic school as well as mainstream but the learning support department uh, had uh, well the school had a special educational needs department and I know that I didn't really get um, the help I was hoping to during my time at school but one of the things that I'm so grateful for was helping me to actually go through the changes of puberty so for instance um, it's like how to use sanitary products what to do in an emergency situation, what um, you're gonna have and what are you going through during this transition and this time and then also I had massive support at home but I think with the emotional support I'm not really too sure but the support absolutely I think it's one of the things I'm really really grateful for the teachers and assistants for.
2: Um, I think I just want to add on with the emotional support um, the changes of like mood swings and things because I found being autistic that um, it kind of like it was a bit of a delay and then it started to balance out when I got into my early 20s but I felt like my mood swings with my transition of puberty uh, was later than other people that weren't autistic as well. And I think with the normal changes, um, obviously you had classes and things with other related things to do with the body and that. But um, I think for girls and boys, you wasn't really told like a change would happen and you're like, oh, what's that? And then I think it was connecting with other people as well uh yeah talking about your experiences with other people going through it it kind of helped a little bit
3: yeah in terms of support um with being diagnosed at seven all throughout my time at school i was at a mainstream school but for the majority of uh my time being at school i was offered a lot of support but i never really ever learned about what that support entailed just because i pushed it all away i didn't really want to stand out from anyone else you know being in a mainstream um, mainstream school i would have you know been standing out getting that support so i kind of pushed it all away so of course i never never actually knew what that support was but then coming to the puberty side of things once again of course i would have pushed that support away just like i did for the rest of my time but I don't ever remember being offered support when it came to that kind of thing. I remember there being classes with, you know, whole groups of, um, whole groups of people. uh, And they're telling us like one thing as a whole, but you know, no one was really taken aside and told something different or explained it in a different way, you know, that, that they understand. It was just described to everyone as bulk in a way that they kind of just, hope everyone understands when it really doesn't quite work like that. Just to pick up on something you said says, actually, um, you mentioned that your
1: school had a uh, ascend department um, and that creates a valid point as to why so many autistic people are missed in having support services in school. Um, only 44 to 52 percent-ish of autistic people have a learning difficulty on top of being autistic, meaning that, look for ease, let's just say 50 percent, there's 50 percent of the autistic population that aren't being covered by those kind of special educational needs services, um, because, yeah, they're, they're exclusionary in some way, or they've been overlapped and merged and confusion. Either way, massive chunk being missed there. The other thing which kind of picks up on both points Robin and Finn were saying, uh, in terms of peer support, uh, you're not given the language as to how to appropriately keep, uh, talk about and understand these things with your peers, with your friends, because you're given lessons, all of these ambiguous metaphorical terms that are all, you know, innuendos, etc. And particularly in teenage culture, you get loads of people wanting to use these innuendos, meaning that it's actually pretty hard to have a serious conversation to ensure that, you know, it's fully understood as to what is the, you know, what... Well, that's how we create understanding. We check with our peers. We check that we're on the same level. However, it's hard to do that. If everyone's talking in innuendos, you can't understand the innuendos in the first place. Uh, I think that's a massive thing that happens
0: That's definitely true there, Connor I I didn't really know about the percentages really, that's really interesting I'm definitely going to have to do some further research into that That, um, that was just, it took me completely by surprise I had a hard time understanding my body and sexuality
4: I think that understanding my body and my sexuality were the toughest things for me during puberty, because I went to a Catholic school as well, and my parents are both very awkward, so nothing was explained to me. I got given the odd little book or pamphlet or whatever else, and that was how I had to figure everything out. And then I'd Google the odd thing and be absolutely horrified by whatever terrible tales were online. And then when it came to the sexuality side of things, I tried very hard to reach out to various charities and organisations and clubs and the like. And in some ways it was incredible and it was amazing to be around like like minded people. And there were definitely a lot of other neurodivergent people there, too. But I, I definitely didn't know what my sexuality was doing or what was going on. So I was very much like, I think I'm bisexual and got a lot of, oh, well, you'll choose a side, you'll figure it out. And that was probably one of the most damaging things that was told to me throughout all of my puberty experience.
0: actually Dana you remind me of like um well I used to actually work at a youth centre like um a club for teenagers and I remember that um they had every single pa- uh, pamphlets or leaflets about um puberty and sexual changes going through and sexual health as well so it was really interesting that um that it was really picked up there for that point but yeah Connor do you want to add on to
1: this Uh, oh yes just once again mention the ambiguous language stuff uh if you it's this may play with youtube demonetization so apologies if you touch your thing down there and wiggle it about stuff will come out that's all you're told how are you meant to understand that what is that meant to mean um obviously we're all you know smirking now because as adults we do know what it means However, as a teenager, you don't, because it's not explicitly stated, it's not shown. uh, And that can lead to not only physical problems, but psychological problems because of the impact. It further, uh, you know, things like that can further separate the understanding between yourself and your peers and further alienate you, and that's not what you want to do. And on the point of sexuality, um, there's this whole culture of teenagers, raging hormones, yeah, you're meant to get your girlfriend straight away. That's what you're meant to do. You're meant to be like, you're meant to be walking around thinking, "Oh yeah, she's fit." Blah blah blah. That's what you're meant to do. You're meant to be raging with your sexuality in in whatever way it's meant to be. Um And you know, I had the thing that interests were apparently a dictation as to what my sexuality should be, um, which has not. But it's like, oh, but you like, you know, you said you like High School Musical. It's like that means you must be gay. It's like oh, no, I, I I like musicals. Thank you. Um and, and that kind of thing, you know, isn't helping just the general social development, particularly in autistic people, of people making assumptions about you based upon facts that aren't brought out. It's a, it's a major thing that happens within the autistic population, um, only amplified in that in that sexuality discussion, I feel.
2: I think with the uh, question, um, obviously, I came out uh, recently in my early 20s as transgender, and obviously you're taught in sex education and stuff that is just man and a woman and, and all that, but uh you never hear the terms outside of that. So I had no idea what uh transgender was. I also found out I was gay uh after I was in a straight relationship. So it would have been kind of nice because I think as well you don't seem to uh find out your like my like my sister's 16 and she's still figuring out like her feelings and things and i think people don't go into detail of your your experience like some people will be into people some people won't um you you know there's different ages where you'll figure yourself out sort of thing
0: i was bullied throughout puberty And um, this is just one example of this, and I won't go into too much detail for it. The one example of this is that a friend of mine who used to know someone at school years ago, she got bullied um, because um, the bullies decided to tip her bag on the floor and they would open her sanitary products just for a joke. And um, I, I know that's just one example of this, but
4: has like anyone had experiences that um so and um, Dana yes go on I've, I've had that exact experience so many times and I think the thing that really annoyed me was the way that other girls would giggle and it's like you know how it is like you know how unnecessary and ridiculous it is to like laugh and joke and be rude about clean sanitary products that I might need later that you've just wasted and I think that it's It's funny to just be rude to people as a teenager, like it's the funniest time to just be a horrible person, combined with the worst things sort of just happening to you, and it was just terrible, and combined with like just general bullying, especially because I grew up overweight, so there was a lot of just fat shaming, and just horrible behaviour in regards to that, it's the time... But you're probably the most vulnerable because everything's changing and everything's different. And especially being autistic, the last thing I want is things to change and be different. So then to also be made to feel... I almost felt like it was my own fault and like I had bought it on myself by going through the changes of puberty and by needing to have sanitary products in my bag and things like that. It was like it was my own fault, almost.
0: Oh, that's really awful, Dana. I'm really sorry you had to go through that. That,
1: that was absolutely awful. So I I didn't actually realise fully... I'd experienced bullying until after I'd left school because um, for me what it what it was actually was the subtleties in how people were bullying is things that I just thought people were joking about it's like no no they were just being deadly horrible and you just weren't realizing what they were actually saying um, because kids are cruel and um, one of the things that that uh, is pretty common in autistic people at that age uh, in that puberty age in that transition age is the disparity in what our interests are because so say well lego let's take lego of mine um at that time it wasn't cool for a 14 year old to still be into lego um and therefore i felt the wrath of that when i had my minifigures pulled out of my bag like <laughs> you've got minifigures what's that about <laughs> um, uh, you know, there's such a disparity there because, as I said, there, there's so much societal expectation about what you should be liking, what's cool and what's not. When in reality, you know, autistic people are far more likely to still be into what they just actually enjoy as opposed to what they think they shouldn't be enjoying because everyone says they should. Um, so I feel that just that notion in itself really unfortunately encourages bullying because, yeah, kids are mean and not taught to just respect that if somebody else is enjoying something, let them enjoy as long as it's not harming themselves or anyone else, of course.
2: Uh, following on from what Connor says about uh, the interest, I think that's a very big one um, again because of society expectations. Uh, a lot of people think well, it's, going to, you need to find a relationship now and have feelings for people. It's a lot of the time where you get teased because you're either not into somebody or they'll go you know, oh he's for you, go and ask him out and stuff. I remember one incident at my school um in the early years where we were talking about interests as a class with the teacher and we had to somebody had to read out your interests don't know why (laughs) it was part of something an exercise of something and I remember mine being very different to the other girls and I thought why is it they sort of like giggled and I thought why why are they giggling they're just my interests you know uh why are they not what's wrong with being different, <laughs> why does everybody have to be the same?
5: So, um, what uh Dana said, obviously, about being fat, shamed, and stuff. Um, and I, th- I think a lot of obviously, um, teenagers obviously, because obviously, like when you're younger, a lot of kids obviously, when they're quite young, and then obviously, obviously, when you hit puberty, you, your body changes and things like that. Um, I think, obviously, when this happens, a lot of people get fat fact change. Because you, know, you know, these changes and things happen. Um, and I had an experience once when, um, I was, when I was in secondary a few years ago. And there's one particular lad that um, said to me, Oh, when's your baby change. And it's like, well, first of all, but I'm to So, you know, they'll feel like, obviously, different spaces in the first season, age of teenage. And what um, Paul was saying about, um, and Robin was saying about, obviously, interest. And, you know, I think the expectation of the lads, especially in surrealism, especially with being, like, you know, you're like, you've got to be in sport and you've got to, like, love PE and, you know, love football and all this i Well, first of all, I don't like sport in general, but also with my autism and because when like if you're very like that's a voice like very sport, you know, like muscles and all this nonsense.
1: I can only examine now as an adult with knowledge about how much of a horrific sensory experience that like sports are, and like so like guys, we're meant to be into football because that's what society says apparently um so football that game where you run around potentially getting hit by a hard object um where you're running around people rushing into you mud splatting up on you uh and then whenever anything happens whether you miss or whether you score there's loud noises all of a sudden like what how like what, we're being sub- yeah like no wonder i didn't like it is what i'm saying basically um yeah so, sounds like hell
0: The next one is, I feel that schools need to change their curriculum to make uh, make their PSHE or health classes more inclusive. But for those who don't know, PSHE in the UK stands for physical, personal, social and health and economic classes. Um, I think it might be personal or it could be physical, but who knows, but um, uh, this is just what it means for those who don't know. So I think with that, who wants to? go first
2: I think there is I mean obviously like I said we've got the sex education that you do in uh sort of year six year and onwards um but I don't think uh now that there's more terms um being put on tv um and in social media now I think a lot of also younger people are finding out about the different terms I think that it does need to be included rather than just man, woman, this is what they do. (laughs) Um, There's a lot more diverse things out there that can change how you transition in life and also like just encouragement not to have too much pressure on yourself, I think. (laughs) And Dana, do you want to add something to this?
4: Yeah, I think... I mean, I went to a Catholic school, so they're already not all that up on it anyway. But I feel like any sort of improvement on it would be a vast improvement. And to like tack on from what Robin said a little bit, I think it's very much, they're almost catching up with the kids now. I think most people will be more aware of what they feel and how they're feeling and what what the terminology is for themselves than the actual schools will be. And especially from my experience of it, the, the main memory I have of any sort of like, puberty sexual education anything like that was when we strapped like a pregnancy belly onto one of the boys to be like oh isn't it funny if you were a woman oh this is how it'd be and it it didn't educate us it was funny at the time but it was both probably extreme extremely like toxic and not good for anyone in the class who was questioning gender stuff and it didn't teach us a single thing so any sort of improvement would be a great thing
0: (laughs) I might jump onto that actually Dana just because um it's funny you should say that really about like uh, because we both like went to Catholic schools I think it was a division between science and religion because you know science and religion they always clash and I think that was one of the reasons why Um, that uh, things didn't really go ahead or um, made progress. But I, I can remember in my science lessons, when it came to reproduction and puberty, it was always on repeat, repeat, repeat from year seven to year eight. And I just thought... Oh my god no and especially since most of the science teachers I had were male as well that made it even more awkward I, I just f- feel that I think definitely a lot could have been done with this I really could. Robin have you got something to add?
2: I do yeah Um. I don't know about anybody else's school but in the school I went to which was a mainstream secondary school which was quite high up on the um, lists of um representation they were they were quite high on and strict on what they educated you and how they treated you. Um, when we had certain different topics, when you go up to sixth form, there's different topics to be educated on. And one of them was health and social. And um my sister did, um, I think it was a trial for like six for health and social. I don't know if they brought it into GCSE. I can't remember. But she said that, it kind of includes things about disabilities and all that, but you can't actually learn it until you go on to sixth form, which I thought was, well, why not bring that forward and have it as a diverse education thing,
3: you know? I do feel like I'm just going to be like relaying um, a lot of stuff that other people have said. But as as I mentioned in one of my, my previous answers, uh, PSHE lessons or you know even science lessons where stuff like sex education was covered it was all just a whole load of, being, of people being put into one room explained in one way this is sex this is vaguely how it works that's all we're going to tell you really um, and even with me going through the school system I feel like uh, uh, quite, quite recently those changes haven't been made uh, to be more inclusive that you would think need to be made so going forward I think they just need to look again at how today's society differs from what it was like when they originally uh, constructed this curriculum to, to cover all these kind of topics just because there's so much is different now and there's so much more to cover that they're still only concentrating on one little tiny part of it and instead they need to look at the bigger picture because a whole reason why we're not adapting properly as a society is because from a young age, we're not being, we're we're not being taught about it properly. And it's that young age, which is the most crucial because it's where we're most impressionable and that's where our mindsets start growing and start stemming from. So, yeah, I think it just needs to be, be looked over again and be like, okay, this is what we need to do. This is what we need to change. Uh, And I feel like going forward, it could definitely help just, just society's overall perception of you know the whole LGBT side of things or even just other areas of, of sex in general I think yes I, just, like in our school um
5: PSHL support but I think um like you know and, and I think we did. Ended up um, having um, health and social being put on, and uh, you know, as a GCSE and stuff. I think sometimes it could be very uncomfortable when you talk about reduction and things like that. With PSHE, they start, they did like start doing it, and then from what I remember, um, I was in my ancestral they stopped doing it for a while and started doing it again. And it was for a long, for the first few years, PSHE wasn't a thing. Like when I was in sixth a thing. and then they brought it in but they only have, like, one named member of staff. So I think it's another thing of there needs to be more staff trained in that, not just one member of staff.
1: That's the funny thing. Being trained in PSHE is actually just being trained in how to human, which, in theory every teacher should be able to deliver if they can teach they should be able to deliver the basic life skills that you need to progress into adult life that's what PSHE should be about it's how do we how do we move into the society that we live in what do we need to know to evolve from being a teenager into an adult
0: so we are going to be moving on to the very last question of the panel because I thought that we need some bit of more positivity to wrap up on the panel and uh, the last statement is I feel proud of who I am and I wouldn't change anything about about myself compared to myself when I went through puberty
1: yes I'm happy with how I am um but I wouldn't want to say I wouldn't change a thing because I always want to develop and grow and yeah I've always got room for improvement so things could have been made easier for me though as a teenager I think and therefore I would have been more confident in myself from an earlier age
3: yeah I'm completely happy with who I am at the moment although there may have been points Throughout puberty, where I'm like, oh, you know, I, I don't know if I, I like the person I'm becoming or whatever. Um, I've I've turned out in a in a way I'm comfortable with, um, and as as a person I like, and as you know, similarly similarly to what Connor said, of course there is always room for improvement. I think that goes for just about anyone. You know, there's there's always space to become a better person. But I, where I'm at at the moment is this what I'm happy with
4: I'm, I'm happy with myself now but I think that it's taken a lot of work because I've had to really do the whole like inner child thing and almost separate like who I was as a teenager while I was going through puberty when I was so like lost and embarrassed and scared and just like not feeling myself and I can look back at that now and be like she managed it though we've gotten to where we are now like that's quite impressive I'm quite proud of that um
2: yeah I think uh now that obviously i found I didn't find the terminology terminology of um how I was feeling um back then um when you look back it is kind of like a second transition for everybody I think when you look back um you it's um still room for again improvement but there's some satisfaction now that you don't quite have the pressure you had. You sort of say, "Okay, I'll just go <laughs> as go along as I am." Yeah,
0: and especially as well, Robin, that you're going through like a really big stage at the moment, really, and uh, it's it's quite a big, huge achievement, really, especially during puberty, that self uh, self identity is questionable.
5: Um. So yeah. I feel like I feel like obviously, not, obviously, not with obviously throughout our previous like finding yourself and all these different things. And like everyone else, I'm very, like, sort of happy I am, um, you know, with how I look. I feel like, especially, like, you know, from, from now 18, I feel like I've found myself as a person, like, you know, like, I have, like, in the past few years, like, for example, this year, I decided to get blonde highlights because I had, like, really, like, blonde hair when I was younger. Um, so something I want to change, and like, and and like I've done that, and obviously like I wear a jewel, and like all these different things. Obviously, as everyone else has said, there's obviously things changed, but I feel like I've like found like I love the way I look. You know, like my style, all like things like that. But yeah,
0: I might add something onto this, even though um, there's <laughs> I've got to do two um parts left, but I will add this because I I'm still. I wouldn't say I feel proud of who I am just yet but I think this is something that I really wanted to add and I'm trying not going to too emotional about it but um I realized that all this time I've been body shaming myself and I never admitted this to anybody in my life and when I was about 13 I used to hate my legs because I thought, oh, my calves were so fat. I I can't really deal with this, and I I was obese at one point when I was about a teenager as well. I mean, I'm I'm still considered as obese, but um, apparently it, um, it happened that way. But then. Um, When my auntie died earlier this year, because I always used to remember her, I call it her famous comment now, because um, this is something with her, I always got to remember, Um, that I'll always remember, excuse me. (laughs) Try not to get too emotional. Um, She always used to say to me, I am so jealous of your long legs and um, because she used to have like short legs and she, she used to about like her height was way lower than I was. And um I I always used to respond to her saying, no, no, I, I don't. <laughs> what are you talking about? And I just feel like really embarrassed about that. But then when she passed away, I it took me a month to realise that all this time. I was body-shaming myself, and now, with my auntie not being there, it's it's going to be hard, because uh, I wish I could have said to her, uh, I am sorry I bodied shame myself and I really didn't mean to do that. And you're right, I should have done that, but now she's not here to listen to it. I do feel bad about it. But of course there is something you can never go back from. Despite having all the negativity about my appearance, and I still do now, I really do, and I am trying to lose weight, but um I I feel that I've come a long way from it, and I still have a long way to go, but I think at the end of the day I'm trying to love myself a bit more, especially after earlier this year. So hopefully I will feel more proud and love myself it, but I really don't know yet for sure only time will tell and I think with this we're going to wrap up the panel here guys thank you so much for coming on so all the links are to everyone who's on the panel YouTube um social media I will leave all links in the description box below and check these guys out they are absolutely amazing and it was really great to have you guys on so guys thank you so much for coming on and I'm sorry it's all a little bit of a mess up really but well done and I know it's is a little bit of a sensitive subject but thanks guys you've been absolutely amazing and yeah I've definitely got to wrap it here wrap it up here so next week we're going to focus on part two but with new different people and until then I'll see you next week I hope you have a wonderful day and take care of yourselves bye